Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. And when I say welcome back, I do mean welcome back. It has been a sunny past couple days here in Denver. Uh, Jared, you've been able to kind of take advantage, hit the links maybe a little bit. No, I want to go play. But it's supposed to snow on our next day off. True. And I got anniversary dinner on Sunday, so I can't go play Sunday because I would get killed. 100% I would get killed. And that's not worth it to me in the slightest. But I mean, I wouldn't hit range balls. So that was nice to kind of get loose a little bit um, before the Rockies game on Tuesday. Went and did that. But I mean, outside of that, I, I haven't hit any putts. I barely worked on my chips because the wind started picking up on Tuesday before it started raining. And I was like, yeah. uh, as much as I want to, like, it'd be, I mean, I, and it's like, I'm just like excited to go play. The Masters are on this week. And yeah. even without Tiger, it's still, it, there's nothing like sitting down on the Sunday of the Masters and listening to Jim Nance talk all day. People are like, I'm going to fall asleep. Cool, go take a nap. I'm going to watch this. I'm glued to the TV every Sunday at the Masters. Yeah, yeah. It should be a good tournament, too. Good field. Um, a lot of quality people in it. I mean, we were just kind of talking. Uh, one guy that I... Okay, just be candid. I didn't hit record, all right? Let's just be candid. Yeah, we did yeah. this already. So I didn't hit record. We... <laughs> <laughs> just, let's leave, let's so... put it in the open. Yeah, so we had a beautiful, beautiful intro for you guys. It was crispy, clean, perfect. But, yeah. um, Getting into... Getting into kind of just some other news just around... um, You know, Masters will be be fun to see and... uh, just a blast when they when they play that course you know down there it should be a good weekend too um but yeah getting into some other just kind of more national news for the u.s side of things um the men's federation for u.s soccer has taken a turn for the worst When when was the last time they took a step for the better? I mean, twenty fourteen. Uh, uh, even easy. even then, dude. Let's be real. I, I mean, when was the last time we qualified an American squad for the Olympics in the men's side? Olympics is a different story. Uh, it, it, but okay, so we can claim the Olympics is a different story. Fine. 
you you you're playing your under 23s in that in that tournament whatever you don't see england missing you don't see brazil missing you definitely don't see germany missing after they fucking laid an egg at the 2000 euros and that's and that's when they said okay we we got to we got to fix this and quite honestly the biggest problem and the biggest catalyst of this all is mls it is a third tier soccer soccer um league third tier it, yeah. it it doesn't even come close to england's second tier the the epl like one or whatever they call it it's oh, nowhere yeah, near you, it you talk about so you got champions league right you got you know the german leagues bundesliga you know super super fun to watch dortmund all those teams just lighting it up um you got a couple really good Italian leagues now too that you saw Juventus come out of a few years Bro, back. Serie A is fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Then there's a little bit of a gap. Then there's the Colorado Rockies. Then there's the U.S. men's soccer team. You're putting the U.S. men's soccer team below the Rockies. I mean, I get it. John Gray had a no hitter through six, but. <laughs> a little early, don't you think? <laughs> no, a little early. Rockies are actually playing. They're playing with some optimism. I, I like it, Jared. You've been able to kind of get back in the booth, though. How, how's that been it's, today for you? It's weird. Before we kick to the Rocky stuff, like going back to the to the men's to the men's side and the federation as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the fact that the federation has any say in what's going on in MLS is ridiculous. For one. Because that's that shouldn't be happening, and there's really no second tier flight of U.S. soccer. Yes, you have the USL, but is that? I, I would take. I wouldn't take an MLS team to co-play Premier Two down in England. I, I wouldn't even yeah. let them face their their practice squad on the in the Premier Two side. Yeah, yeah. Like this is this this entire. There was. I'm trying to think of how to put this. 2015 so, Copa America, right? Well, let's go back a little bit. 2015 okay. Copa America was probably one of the, was it 15 or 16? I don't remember. was quite possibly one of the best showings for U.S. soccer they've had. They, they had a gold cup in 19. They had a gold cup run either 19 or 18 as well. But even then, dude, but, you, the, the gold cup, you're, you're basically expecting U.S. to play Mexico in the final. Yeah. And even it's then, competition. Yeah. Copa America really brings in the best teams from South America, Latin America, and North America. That alone is a very, very tough tournament because you have to oh, get yeah. past the Argentinas. You have to get past the Brazils. You have to get past the Chiles of the world, Colombia, you name it, right? And you go back two years to 14, and they played Belgium in the quarterfinal got shelled tim howard's the only reason they're in that game yeah and and look where we're at seven years later yeah missed the that world being cup said, in 18 that was missed that was yeah oh yeah i mean you think about back in in 14 that was pulisic's first international cap think about that first time he played with that team that was his first international cap 
he's really been the only real sort of U.S. talent that has been able to flourish because of his club, because of where he plays right now. I was playing in the Bundesliga, you know, doing well for Dortmund. And now he's with Chelsea in the EPL. And Jared, without a doubt, he's the one guy for this U.S. roster that is even mentionable right now. Especially when you compare it back to the Jurgen Klinsmann days, when he was bringing in talent from overseas to play for him because he was such a renowned coach. I mean, names like Jordan Woods come to mind. Explosive midfielder. I mean, that team was the... I mean, that them getting out of the group of death that year, that was no, that was no gimmick. That was no... I mean, they, they earned that. They, they earned it. And since then, like you've been saying, you've just seen that quality fall off a damn cliff. And, like... Another guy who came to mind was Jordan Morris, and what the, what was he doing? He was playing for Stanford, right? So yeah, really, yeah. sorry, NCAA soccer, not a good comparison to MLS. Oh, probably really good comparison to MLS, but not a good comparison to Bundesliga, EPL, Serie A, any of that, right? No oh, man, and MLS is where all the English guys come to retire, anyways. Like and exactly, and like, and I think right now. The the one thing that the at the men's side kind of has going for them right now is that a lot of their guys are playing overseas, right? Gio Reyna, he's with Dortmund now. Pulisic's over at Chelsea. And, I mean, just anything else, like, anything else I'm seeing, I'm just like, I just look at it and go, what's, what's the point, right? Yeah. Because... Yeah. Like even guys like Sebastian Legette, I am pretty damn sure he's playing in MLS right now. Yeah, he's with LA Galaxy. Mm, Kellen Acosta, another guy I'm pretty damn sure is with um someone in the MLS. So at at what point do we do does US soccer finally say, you know what? Screw our farm system is what they're trying. They're trying to treat this like it's a, f- a fucking farm system. Yeah, this isn't the NBA. This isn't the NHL. This sure as shit is not MLB, which has a really good farm system. Like, at at what point do you just say we need to have our guys playing overseas because the World Cup window? Everyone overseas opens up. They say, okay, go play for your clubs. This is qualifying season. It's fine. Every league stops. Except MLS. MLS is the only league that plays in the spring and summer. Why? I get it. Snow, weather. I was going to say, just nationally, the country's outlook on soccer it's viewed as a as a touch below nfl as a touch below nba as a touch below mlb even and somehow above nhl but it's yeah like it's i don't understand it 
but people in the U.S. discount the soccers and hockeys of the world because it's U.S. you know bigger and better in the U.S. homegrown, all that stuff, yada yada yada, whatever. But soccer's the world's game, right? When the when the U.S. failed to qualify for the 2018 tournament, for failed to qualify, lost to fucking Trinidad and Tobago. Taylor Twelman said it best on ESPN. That game wasn't on ESPN. That game was on like like BN Sports or whatever it was. You had to like illegally stream it somehow. And like at the time, yep. there was like no idea how to do that properly. Yep. Yep. And I, I remember I still every once in a while when I just like want to hear like someone be passionate about U.S. soccer because it lacks passion. And we put it out there on Twitter. This either needs to change or we need to quit giving a shit about the men's side every four years. Just in general. Plain and simple. Yeah. Women's team has been kick- kicking ass. He said. This should be the reset. Where are we now? Was that 2016 or it was like late 16, early 17 when they failed to qualify. So we're looking at four years now. What has gone different? There's no change in leadership. Right. There's really no change at all in the organizational structure. When Germany flunked out a Euro 2000. Right. Just about diminished their chances of getting into the, the 2002 World Cup in Korea, South Korea. Because 06 was in Italy. Yep. Okay, so 2002. The 2002 World Cup. Germany, Bundesliga, and second Bundesliga all got together and said, blow it the fuck up and let's restructure now. What happened within 10 years? Germany became a powerhouse. They won a World Cup. And won a World Cup. Got some finals as well. Like, and this, other is, this is so tournaments. fucking cut and dry about yeah. what do we need to do as a league. You said it best. MLS is where players go to retire. Yeah. Kaka came here. Wayne Rooney came here. Fucking what's his name? Got um, Ibrahimovic now. Thank too. you. Zlatan. David Beckham came here. That, that was just, these are all just PR moves for the league. You want yeah. someone, you want the U.S. be taken seriously as a soccer country because we have such a, a bravado about us that, oh, we're the best at everything. 100% we're the fucking best at everything. Basketball? Okay, sure. Football? Well, yeah, because we're the only people who fucking play football the way we do. So, <laughs> I get it. Baseball? Yeah. Uh, Japan's got some pretty good fucking teams. Put them up against yeah. half of the MLB. Sure, they'd probably get at least a few wins, if not more, on a series. Definitely. That's not even talking hockey, to Columbia's like, too. Hockey, like, okay, what do you have to compete against? The KHL really might be the only true competitive league. But we also span into Canada for that, so eh, 50-50, yeah. 50-50 split on that. I mean... And Russia has always been a force, like, just historically, kind of. But that was always it, more on the international scale. Just because they had such a drop of talent, usually. It's just... As much as we would love to see U.S. soccer become a powerhouse, they are so far away from competing right now, it's not even fun. Do I think they'll qualify for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar? No. 
they do not make it through qualification. They do not do they they do not make it through the hexagonal that Concacaf is now really well known for. Oddly enough, yeah, they it, this this team doesn't know how to handle adversity. They don't, and it's it, it's glaringly obvious that they don't know how to handle adversity. Now, let's say they get their asses kicked by Switzerland in this friendly they're playing. By the way, these friendlies they're playing are bullshit, anyways. When when the U.S. team was good, they were playing quality friendlies. They went to the Netherlands oh. and won. Yeah, I remember that actually. Like, remember that game? I remember they had a friendly against. I, I think it was. Uh, I want to say Mexico as well, Chicharito. Um, like, I uh, mean, yeah, they're playing. Here's where I realized. I'm gonna close on this. Here's where I realized. U.S. soccer was fucked. Dos Acero became such a huge thing when U.S. played Mexico in the hex. The U.S. went out of their way to play Mexico in Columbus, Ohio for 10 years. But then they'd play Costa Rica in New Jersey, where they have quite quite a bit of Costa Rican population up in New Jersey, and they're wondering why it doesn't sound like a U.S. home game. It, this isn't fucking rocket science. This is pretty straightforward shit. Yeah, it's cut and dry. Easy. Yeah. And we're telling you to do what Germany did. Do what Germany did. U.S. soccer, the Federation, get your act together. Just blow it up at this point. Yeah, honestly, just yeah. blow it up because this is this is not working. I, I mean, when you have former players coming out and saying these guys are soft, they're they're overpaid millionaires. I think was the exact term that Alexi Lawless used on a national fucking broadcast. There's a problem, and everyone sees it except for the Federation, because they still rake in their, their millions of money from ad sponsorships from Volkswagen and fucking Visa, McDonald's, I'm, you name it, they rake in money from it. Nike even shells out millions at this point. At what point do you, do, do people just look at it and say, enough, like, uh, enough. And soccer is really becoming a pay-to-play sport now. There was a time long, long, long time ago where it wasn't pay to play and yeah. kids, kids would be out at recess just kicking a soccer ball around because they knew they had like practice or they're playing games against their friends next week or whatever it was. And now it's a pay to play system. You, you really need to play club if you want to get a look into college, this, that, the other thing and get looked by scouts. If, if the U.S. would just start really doing homegrown shit again like they used to. Uh, yeah. For for example, let's look at the women's team, right? When the when the World Cup came here in '99, what did the women's team do? Outside of win it, right? I, I'm talking pre-tournament shit. I mean, so basically, it was all just a pipeline from within. Dude, the the fucking the women's team went out, held public practices at schools throughout the United States 
they held a public practice at Liberty High School at the football stadium out there. Any chance that they could get to get eyes on them, they did it. They were in the public light. They became rock stars. Why do you think the women's team is so fucking successful? People looked at that and said, I want to be Mia Hamm. I want to be Julie Foudy. I want to be Brandi Chastain. Nobody now looks and goes, oh, I want to be, I want to be Christian Pulisic. No one. And it's, it's, it's hard for anyone to get excited about playing soccer right now because what, what is there to be excited about? The men's team is ass. The women's team is killing everybody. It's, it's like you have a harder time getting the male demographic in. And I get it. You have, males have a lot more opportunity to go professional in other sports in this country. I fully understand that. And it shouldn't be treated as such. No. If, if, if I didn't play soccer, there's no way I was ever in game shape for a hockey season. Never. It is the, one of the best crossover sports you could do. Yeah. And as far as staying in shape, like, hit the nail on the head. I mean, multiple miles ran per game. Easy. Easy, easy, easy. But anyways, I'm... I'm... But, I'm, I'm, I'm I just want things fixed. That's yeah. all I want. I, I, I want to be excited about the World Cup in a year's time in Qatar. I still don't think they make it. I don't think they qualify, and we're right back to square one, where we're like, well, that sucked. What are we going to do now? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Jared. We can get pretty excited about what's going on here in Denver right now. And we're not talking soccer, folks. We're talking... I mean, you really name it these days. Cavs have been playing well. Nuggets have been on an absolute tear. And that's what we're going to kind of open up with tonight, just because uh, we, haven't, we haven't talked a lot of Nuggets basketball. And they, quite frankly, they deserve to be talked about. So, I'm going to paint a little picture for you, Jared. This team right now, this Denver Nuggets team is currently on an NBA best 13 and 3, 16 game span. It's a month of March, best team in the NBA. Since the trade deadline, they've gone 6 and 0 since acquiring a man by the name of Aaron Gordon from the Orlando Magic. And again, guys, I know this week, this is like two week old type news, but just haven't had a lot of time to, uh, to get into this. So, but you acquire Aaron Gordon in the midst of, I think they were one and O before the trade deadline. So they had beaten the, had beaten the Pelicans right before the trade deadline. Then they went out and got Gordon. So they're on a seven game win streak, longest of their season after starting the season one and four. 12 and 12 at one point in February. And they come back and basically just put the league on notice. I mean, even before trading for Aaron Gordon, the big three of Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. were torching people. But with Gordon, it's just gotten better. It's like they've had... Nuggets have always had a missing piece. It's been a versatile wing defender. We thought we had it figured out with Jeremy Grant last year. Aaron Gordon is proving to be that and much more since leaving in Orlando. 
have had the best offensive efficiency rating in the league since acquiring Gordon. And I believe now it is a top two defensive efficiency rating since acquiring Gordon. They have been on an absolute tear. But this all just didn't happen overnight. It did not. There was just so much built up into what we are seeing right now. It has been 11 years in the making, Jared. 11 years. You are seeing Tim Connolly become another Joe Sackick right here in Denver. And I just want to get your thoughts on that real quick. Aaron Gordon may just be the, the, the biggest addition free agency offseason trade deadline, you name it, in probably the last five years. You you showed me some stats the other day when he was in Orlando. He was shooting forty one percent from the field on averaging just about sixty touches a night. And down there, he's expected to be a big time scorer. He's expected to lead the offense and 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 really shoulder the weight of the team. Him coming to Denver allows him to not feel that de facto pressure that maybe. He, he might say, you know, I, I never felt the pressure or anything like that. Everyone's going to say that, right? McKinnon's going to say it. You, you name it. Everyone's going to say it. And he's going now. He's, he's touching the ball less, but he's a hell of a lot more uh, active, not active, accurate with his shooting. He's now up to, I think you, think you said it was like 61, 62% in that range area. And he has been deadly from the four. I mean, com- just unbelievably deadly from the four and it's given guys like like Jokic and like uh like like Murray a little bit more space as well and and even to an extent MPJ yeah I'm, I'm, I mean so yeah this is the this last... is probably one of the best and most exciting Nuggets teams to watch I said it last year they were such a fun team to watch I really I really started tuning in pretty heavily this team kicks the shit that other team and i don't know what i don't know how to feel about this this new signing too right i'm i don't know enough about i i know it's shack something i already forgot so so shack shack williamson shaquille williamson was a guard originally drafted by the chicago bulls traded to the Utah Jazz this year didn't get a lot of playing time because they are they've been doing well with Mitchell and them up until kind of recently and he's just a big guard man I mean six foot six he can run the floor his highlight reel is like a two minute clip on YouTube and it's mostly defensive steals blocks dunks and pull up threes and he's a six foot six guy playing the two. He's not. Pro- he's probably not going to get much playing time. But let me just break this down for you real quick, Jared. 
I would like to thank a lot of people for this Nuggets team that, like I said, 11 years in the making. So let's take it back a little bit. During the days of Carmelo Anthony, Chauncey Billups, Kenyon Martin, you know, a lot of a lot of what people that have been fans of Denver Nuggets refer to as the glory days. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for blowing it up. Thank you for realizing that it wasn't going to work when we got beat by the Lakers again in the Western Conference Finals. Despite throwing probably what was one of the most talented rosters that Denver had ever seen. Thank you for blowing it up. Thank you for sending Carmelo Anthony to the Knicks for a future swap pick that wound up becoming Jamal Murray for the 2016 draft. Thank you for drafting Nikola Jokic in the 42nd overall pick in the, in, in the, in the draft before that. Thank you to Tim Connolly and Calvin Booth for orchestrating this whole thing. Thank you to Andre Iguodala who came here, realized his potential as a defender, and left to the Warriors, who were basically kind of like the Nuggets at this point, right now. When the Warriors, back in 2013-2014, Jared, they had already already drafted their David Lee, their versatile big men who could pass. They'd already drafted their Steph Curry. They had already drafted Draymond Green. They had already drafted their Klay Thompson. Then they traded for Andre Iguodala. And that very good team on paper, like you were talking about last year with the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, fun as hell team to watch, that very good team became a great team became a dynasty. The reason why it's so similar is because I believe Aaron Gordon's a better defender than Andre Iguodala at the time. And I believe the Nuggets as an offense put up a 119.5 efficiency rating, which is the best in NBA history up until this point. Beats all those good Warriors squads. It's pretty damn good. Not bad. You take Aaron Gordon, who is 25, and you do not have a member of your core who is under the age of, over the age of 26. You got Jokic, who just just turned 26. You got Gordon, who's 25. You got Murray, who's 24. MPJ's 22, and he's got Western Conference Finals experience, damn it. I mean, this is a dynasty in the making. And by the way, you're going to love this. Aaron Gordon's contract is 16 mil next year. Dude, I'm so, so, I'm, I'm so, I'm so bad with NBA contracts. I don't know if that's good or not. You, you, I hear you, 16 you mil, my hockey mind goes, oh shit. So, so you offloaded 40 million for Gary Harris. And you brought back 16 mil in Aaron Gordon. Christ. And we got to thank Gary Harris too for instilling the culture that became this team. Because out of all those players, he's the one that I would have loved to see get a ring. He was Mr. Nugget, as they say. We got to thank Isaiah Thomas for coming here that one season and instilling the dog that we know today into the Denver Nuggets. Because it wasn't until then, until it, it wasn't until then 
no one took them seriously. Then they got mean in the playoffs. I think some of that Isaiah Thomas type mentality in the locker room might have chipped off some on some guys, aka Jamal Murray. Now he's up for defensive player of the year candidate, also. And Jared, I just I mean, all of that that is literally what it feels like right now. Especially after watching them go seven and zero against good teams, mind you, like very good teams. I I mean nine and nine and two in their last eleven as well, right? And yeah, I I mean okay, you drop a weird one to the Pel to the Pelicans, fine, whatever. the The game against the Pistons though was one of those where you. Where you looked at it and went, holy shit. 76 points at the half. Up by, I think they were up by 20 at the half, 25, something like that. And you were able to sit Jokic the entire, the, the entire fourth and not have to worry about the game. And, I mean, that, that's without Jamal Murray, too, for that, for that game as well. I mean... He's still, he's still day to day. He's still, it's so far in the air of if he's actually going to play or not. And I think it's mostly maintenance related. Um, but, but you, you talk about just the fit that Aaron Gordon's had, because like you said, he was the guy in Orlando. It's just Orlando never really figured out how to use him. Didn't have the guys that could get him the ball, et cetera, et cetera. He is much more effective as a slasher, off-ball defender than anyone could have even dreamed. I mean, when I don't know if you got the chance to watch the Clippers, the Nuggets-Clippers game that night, Jared. No, I didn't. But I was able to watch the second half after work. And let me tell you, as far as what we were talking about as a, a Jeremy Grant replacement to take this team to the next level type. Was that the next that the Avs were playing too? Yeah. yeah Clippers, that's I right. So. I was balls deep in the Avs game. Forgot about that. Had it on Avs game on as well. Actually had the audio on, but then had the Nuggets game on the side. And I was just watching it as well. And the... I mean, I mean, Jared, it was. About as playoffs type feel as you could get. It was in L.A., which Denver does not do well in L.A. Usually they're on the road. But Aaron, stop me if you've heard that one before. A Colorado team playing like shit in L.A. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. California, no less. <laughs> Bro, you could stretch that. You could stretch that shit up to San Jose, San yeah. Francisco, SAP. Oakland, like you name it. Colorado teams playing like shit in California goes like hand in hand. Like, it's just I don't understand it. Yeah, but I mean, with with him against the Clippers, Jared. And you'll have to go back and just watch Aaron Gordon's highlights. I'm, I'm sure it's on YouTube. But when you're done, just take a look because it is 
It's insane what he does to Kawhi Leonard. First off, the Clippers are one of the highest offenses as far as efficiency in the league. Aaron Gordon held Kawhi Leonard to 22 points. Now, I know that sounds pretty high, but he was only 10 of 22 from shooting. That is what you love to see. And there was a couple plays, man. I mean, straight up manhandled. Like Jeremy Grant could not do that type thing. There was a play. Kawhi Leonard picked off a pass. Was on a fast break. Like streaking towards the basket for a flush. Passed it off to one of his guys. His guy passed it back. All of a sudden, Aaron Gordon's right there. In front of Kawhi. Brick wall. Kawhi goes up tries to draw the foul. Gordon says, no, thank you. One hand strips the ball, pops it off his chest, slings it to Jokic for the go-ahead. I mean, he jumped up, went body-to-body against one of the strongest dudes in the league, and manhandled him. Just ate his lunch, took his lunch money, then ate his lunch in front of him, then puked it up to eat it again. I mean, (laughs) and he was doing it before that too. Nuggets held him to 94 points, by the way. And we're up big at one point. We're up 18. Led the entire way from start to finish. Another instance, and this one's probably even more impressive to me, the first game against the Hawks. And interesting enough, Trey Young always was the type of guy to go off against the Nuggets. I think career average against us for the two years he's been in the league, he's dropped an average of 37 and 12 on us. Average. So he cooks us. Aaron Gordon comes in first game as a nugget, and I'm talking no shit. Jokic is pointing where he is supposed to be on the offense on the fly. Guy hadn't even got, he didn't even log a practice until two days ago. And hadn't practiced with the team until two days ago. So he has been learning this offense on the fly. You put him in against Atlanta, fourth seed in the East. I know it's the East, but they're still a playoff team. And Trey Young always torches the Nuggets. It would always be a game that, you know, we would have lost last year. But because of Aaron Gordon, we come out. And I mean, they just, they beat the brakes off the Hawks. And Trey Young's held the 22 points. Off 10 for 27. With Gordon on him. And when Gordon switched, he switched on to John Collins, another guy who had been previously just streaking like a madman, shooting 45, 45% from three. Switch on to him. And he holds him to like... For, 0 for 6. Nuggets have not had a wing defender like that. It wasn't Andre Iguodala. It was not Wilson Chandler. It was not Jeremy Grant. 
is a match made in heaven because the Nuggets needed Aaron Gordon just as much as Aaron Gordon needed the Nuggets to unlock his potential. And he loves it here. I mean, I don't know how to follow that up. (laughs) I've got got nothing. I mean, like... I mean, On top of that, you have an MVP candidate in Jokic. We haven't even talked about that. And you got a coach who's now finally standing up for Jokic. Finally. Yes. Yes. And I would have lost that bet on who got thrown out first, Mike Malone or Jared Bednar. Bedsy's never been thrown out. Malone just did last night. There was a dog barking in the hallway. Right. (laughs) But, I mean... At, at what point does the East Coast media bias and the West Coast bias go away and you actually start looking at Jokic as a true MVP and you start looking at the Nuggets as a true fucking contender? I, I mean, at this point, you, you have to because they're five games back of Utah. That's it. Yeah. Five. And just Utah five. can sputter at any point. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just one of those where you're looking at going... Okay, when just it's just a matter of when, and that might not be until maybe it, that might even be just a, a Western Conference final thing where you just basically go put up or shut up against Utah. And yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then cool. I'm not gonna bet you so, about it. The Lakers are down, yeah. Phoenix, Phoenix down. is one seven straight, which is a mind-boggling number to me the southwest the southwest division i'm not even gonna worry about because that is an ass division that's like the that's like the north division in the nhl it's like okay I'm not gonna watch that it's, it's <laughs> just not gonna watch it's, it's talk shit basketball i mean this it, it really is I, I mean your your leader in that division is 28 and 22 and that wouldn't even qualify for that would qualify for fourth in the northwest and fourth in the pacific so that's not really a division they're they're basically just a bunch of G League teams running around having fun. It's fine. Do your thing. <laughs> like there's there's certain divisions that you look at and go, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. There's other divisions you go, oh shit, that's pretty good fucking basketball. And that the the Northwest is definitely one of those divisions you look at and go, hmm, that's some pretty good fucking basketball. Oh yeah, pretty good. So I mean. We're a half game out from the Clippers. If the Clippers lose to Phoenix tonight, Nuggets have third seed. Sole possession of third seed. By the way, the Lakers have been the only team that has really gone on a losing streak because even the teams underneath LA have been streaking. Talking 7-3, and 8-2, their last 10. So the Western Conference just as a whole uh, beats the brakes off the East. Um, if you, if you if you took the Eastern Conference and stacked it into the Western Conference, I, I mean it's just you would have half your half your playoff field eliminated. <laughs> so the Nuggets are playing great. We're we're excited to see it. Another team that's been playing great as of late, but kind of had. A little bit of a miscue the previous uh, last night. Uh, the Colorado Avs, they they had been on a tear uh, before dropping this one to Minnesota. Nuggets lost three games in the month in the month of March. Three. 
in regulation. Yeah. Avs were, they lost two in regulation and one in OT. Two in OT. Two. Two in OT. You said it perfectly. These are probably two of the most exciting teams to watch right now in the state, if not the country. So, um, I I mean, everything across the board has just been so much fun to watch. I mean, McKinnon's turned it on, ranted in with his lethal backhand. Um, in the in the month of God, what was it? The month of March. Um, in the month of March, the 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 three headed monster combined for a very nice total of sixty nine points, and 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 even with this eight three drubbing that Minnesota put on, and and I, I mean, there's there's enough issues with the fact that um the the Avs faithful was kind of uh was kind of blaming the officiating and this that the other thing speaking of Jake, Jacob McDonald got suspended today two games I called the range one to three called it one point for me there and it was a rough hit though I mean it, it was a it's a deserved suspension AJ Hayfley said it Scott said it almost every single Avs fan said it so I mean it's a legitimate penalty now. The inconsistency with player safety, I get to, right? We, we all understand it. There's so much inconsistency, but I'm, that, that's not what lost the game last night at all. There's, there's nothing. Was there a lot of missed penalties? Yeah, you look at any game, there's a shitload of missed penalties, 100%. Now, did Colorado not impose their force like they could have? No, they didn't. Like, <laughs> plain and simple. They could have done so much more with what they were doing, and they chose not to. So that's on them and they need to figure out now. You also need to think, think of the fact of, okay, from March one to March 31, you lost to San Jose six, two. Okay. Whatever. You used Anaheim in overtime at home. That's fucking embarrassing, but we'll let it slide. Okay. You lose to Arizona at home. Arizona is a half, Decent club. They're still pretty much competing for a playoff spot. Okay, fair enough. No worries. And then they go on to win seven in a row and just start beating the wheels off of teams. I mean, 4-1-8-4-5-1-6-0-5-1-5-1-5-2-9-3. Like, you name it, it was pretty much an ass-whooping. And 9-3 game conjured up a lot of memes, folks. And of a cool $5,000 fine for Nathan McKinnon, which probably the best 5Gs he spent in a little while. But Straight up. There is something to be said about the kind of jump that a team gets with fans back in the building, right? Nuggets first game back, 44 points in the first quarter. Boom, just like that. As first game back, put a three spot on St. Louis. So, and the other thing that we're not really talking about and that really needs to be mentioned, this team hasn't had more than a one day off back to playing since, what, the outdoor game at Lake Tahoe where they had four days off before they played? Yeah. So. It's been every other night. This is a team that's getting tired. They are getting tired. Grubauer is tired. Do I like how Bednar handled that last night? 
fuck no. That was quite possibly the worst way he could have handled that. Should have pulled, uh, pulled him Dude, after I would have yanked his ass after one, but the issue still stands. They have zero faith in Jonas Johansson. Zero. And why would you? Why would you? I mean, the games that he's come in, either in relief or starting, he has let up a goal on the first shot every single time he has touched the ice. It's not someone who typically still instills a lot of confidence. And, you know, there's names floating around. Bernier, fucking Quick, you know, all, all these names. I haven't dude, heard Carey Price. Dude, the one guy I would love to see Colorado go after, Jake Ottinger from Dallas. You want to talk about a guy who's earned his stripes? Him and Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell is the talk of the fucking league right now. He set a franchise record for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have been around since the NHL's inception. He's won 10 straight games as their goaltender. 10. I mean, original six history, folks. And think, and think of the quality goaltenders that have gone through Toronto. Yeah. Belfour was in there for a little bit. I, I, I mean, holy shit. There were some quality goaltenders in Toronto. And th- there's a blessing and a curse right now. Trade deadline is very fast approaching. Very fast. You have it. Two against Anaheim, okay? Tomorrow and Sunday, you turn around and play Arizona Monday night. At home. And then you hit the road to St. Louis. And then you come home. Okay? Are you confident starting Johansson in any of those games? Tomorrow, that's about it. And, and yeah. even then, it's a short leash. And I, I, can't, I can't even... I take the back. On Sunday, yes. And if he gets shelled, he gets shelled. That's just the fucking luck of the draw. Because keep in mind, Monday is trade deadline. April 12th, trade deadline day. Okay? Now, and, and this is me just being, and me and being a native and everything, I would love if the Avs had to play on April 20th every year. For them just to put a, a CHS sticker on their helmet, you know, they, they wore the patches during the 99 season. Yeah. I, I mean, just something like that would be fine. I'd be okay with it. But I also understand, don't want to maybe conjure up bad memories or something. But in, in any event, um, the, the issue of Frankie being out all year has obviously killed the Avs. Yeah. Miska was not serviceable at all. Um, Johansson's, Makes me think about Hutchinson, man. Johansson's Makes me not think the answer. I mean, the, I, I would love to see if we could try to get Aiden Hill, but they're not going to trade inside the division. That doesn't make any sense for them. Carey Price signed like an 11 by 9 or some stupid shit like that a few years ago, or it was like 9 by 11 or something like that. And I was like, okay, he's not worth it either. Um, you, you can't go after Laner, can't go after Flurry. I'm I I just keep like digging deeper and deeper and deeper into this going who the hell can they take Martin Jones has to be off the table um Aaron Dell maybe but even then he hasn't proved himself as a serviceable as a serviceable backup um 
that I, I've really honed in on Jake Ottinger. What about a guy like, like David Riddich? No. No? Bro, anytime Riddich has played in Denver, he's gotten his dick kicked in. Every time. Okay? I don't know if it's the altitude. I don't know if it's the pace of the game at altitude. Uh, a combination of 16 different things. Maybe hit up fucking the dispensary before the game. I don't know. Right? Mm. It's just... David Riddich does not play well in Denver at all. And uh, he plays, I mean, he doesn't play well here. But the only reason I kind of bring it up is because he has been playing pretty well this year for Calgary. I mean, given. Even, even then, man, like they, he's seeing minimal minutes because they have um, Markstrom up there and maybe that's a phone call you make to jim benning in vancouver and say hey that's your demco you high on him still you, you i mean you brought in hope on a fucking five by five like i'm i, I don't see much I, I don't see much that would fit at this point. I mean, like, like, like Chris, Chris Drader is another guy who's been kicked around a little bit from Florida, and I just, I don't, I don't know. There's, with, with, with Florida signing Spencer Knight, who's the top goaltending prospect for Florida. Do you even look elsewhere? Do you maybe give Werner another look? Do you give Trent Minor a look? Do you give Eustace Antunin a look? Do you give Peyton Jones a look? Peyton Jones is just fucking sitting on the taxi squad. Yeah. Hasn't, I don't, I'm about 90% sure he hasn't played a fucking minute for the Eagles. So. Like speaking of Eagles, they, Sampo Rantz is cleared to play. New Hook is clearing immigration right now. New Hook is, yeah, New Hook's in immigration. So mm-hmm. um, I'm really, really excited to, you know, see those guys play down there. It's going to be a blast. And with the trade deadline approaching, I'm going to get a ton of shit on this one. A, a ton. Dangle Connor Timmons out there. Dangle him out there. See what you get. Right now, he reminds me a lot of Chris B. Graw, who we traded for Ryan Graves. Yeah. Like, I get it. He's but got I mean, concussion problems, all this other shit. Dude, this core of defensemen right now, excluding Jacob McDonald, is deep. Yeah. Gerard. I mean, a guy like, Graves, a guy like Burroughs could be. Man, like even a guy like Burroughs who just came up could be a part of he would be on any team's second pairing right now playing probably like I'm just putting it out there and that's just Burroughs our last break the glass in case of emergency type guy you know 
and I mean, <laughs> Greg Patterns, another guy who I thought hasn't played horrible. Um, Dennis Gilbert, even though he's hurt with a, I think, I think he was actually he was actually given broken jaw. With his, I think the official diagnosis on him. I, I really loved Renault. I, I thought he played Renault. And everyone's calling for we, we had this interaction with a guy on, on Twitter about Martin Kaut and I, I still see zero value in bringing up Martin Kaut. I mean, sure, bring him up. He can be a black ace for the playoffs. Fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I don't understand this love affair that Avs writers and Avs fans have with Martin Kaut playing fourth line minutes instead of playing top pairing, top line minutes in Loveland, getting power play time, getting puck touches, getting his cardio, getting his stamina, and then fighting for a spot next year with a guy like, like against a guy like Comfer, against a guy like, like Logan O'Connor against, you know, pretty much anyone else. You let him develop. Let him develop. And let him get his playing time. And and Bednar said it best, you know. Look at the Detroit teams in the nineties and two thousands. Their top guys spent three, four years in the AHL. And then came up. Why is Kirill Kaprizov so good and so much and by the way, he's so much fucking fun to watch. I don't give a shit if he plays for Minnesota. That kid is fucking is. fun to watch. Right? Is, I'm man. I'm glad we're not gonna see him anymore, but <laughs> shit is he fun. Like I will tune into Wild Games to watch Kirill Kaprizov. He's yeah. that good. He's that kind of a player. But he's he's, he's like this, a little mini Nate, bro. He he like, reminds me a ton of our Temi Panarin. When Panarin came into the league, he was a fucking world beater. But he was playing professionally in the KHL for three years. This is the strategy that everyone needs to take. Draft someone, play in the HL for three years. I don't care if you played in the NCAA. If you played in the NCAA for two, two, three years, I get it. Maybe you're probably a little more seasoned. Newhook is probably going to make his pro debut this weekend. <laughs> and Rant and uh, Sampo Ranta is going to look good too. I mean, yeah. I mean, Sherwood scored a goal back with them when he came down recently. Mm-hmm. You're seeing, like we talked about, just that Colorado connection, man. And just the team's making each other better. I, they need to. I legitimately am, am wondering at this point, do you give Adam Warner a look? Do you give Eustace Anunen a look? Might because, as well. I mean, you know what you have in Johansson. Quite, right? quite frankly, this is probably, you're, especially the last six games, the, these next few games are, it's going to be, it, it could be a little scary, right? If Vili Huso plays as good as he did last week, I'm worried. Okay. Yeah. Bennington still looks like a sieve. So he should be worried. And yeah. I, I mean, yes, you get Anaheim for two. Fine. If they don't make a move for a goalie, that tells me they're looking at Werner. They're looking at, at Antonin. They're looking at Miska. They're looking at Peyton Jones. They're looking at someone to fucking step up and do something. Right. You play four against LA. Two against Anaheim. Four against St. Louis, four against St. Louis, two against LA, four against San Jose. 
the last six games are four against San Jose, two against LA. Before that, you have five against Vegas and St. Louis. Three St. Louis, four Vegas, all on the road, all in the span of eight days. And St. Louis just beat Vegas as well last night. So little shout out to them for we appreciate the, the help. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, tough gauntlet, man. Dude, that's a that hell is, of a gauntlet. Like that is a brutal yeah. ass gauntlet. Because you are going to have to run it the entire way. Now, perfect scenario, right? Five of five. You take three from St. Louis, three from Vegas. At that point, you're fucking sitting everybody. You don't give a shit. You're like, fuck it, take a night off, boys. Fuck it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll healthy scratch you for the night. We don't, we're, we're not going to do this. We'll use all of our taxi squad guys. Right? And maybe it is at that point they go, all right, so I guess we got to play. We're, we're playing San Jose for the fourth time in a row. Yeah. Screw it. Now, but it's- here's the interesting thing that, that I... I'm very opinionated on this, as we all know. I have my opinions. Most times I'm just an asshole. (laughs) If after round one, we do not have a full fucking all arena, I'm going to lose my shit. If the Nuggets don't have a full arena, I'm going to lose my shit. If the all-star game at Coors Field is not full, I will lose my shit. There is no fucking reason that any playoff game should not be at max capacity. None. Because at this point, we're allowing basically 4,000. It's, it's like 30 people, 40 people over 4,000. I'm calling it 4,000. You're allowing 4,000 people in. That's not even a fourth of what it can hold for a hockey game alone. 18,005 is the official hockey attendance. How do I know that? I've been to enough playoff games, and Connor McGahee might have one of the greatest fucking calls ever about 18,005 pom-pom during a playoff game. So, the, at, at some point, this has to go back to normal. This has been over a year of this same shit over and over and over again. We have to go back to normal. That would have to be the first step. NFL is expecting full full stadiums next year. Okay. NBA's already said we expect full stadiums next year. <clears throat> MLB, the Rangers has had a full stadium. And yeah. of course, everyone's freaking out going, well, that's going to be a huge super spreader event. Texas lifted their mask mandate. And their cases went down. People in the crowd were still wearing masks. It's not a, hey, you, you have to wear a mask. It's a, hey, you want to wear one, you can, but we're not making it mandatory any further. Quite frankly, we, just, we need that at this point. Some sort of remnants of normalcy and having the ability to do what we love to do. Like, we could get off at six on a playoff game night and my ass would be on the fucking first light rail off of Arapaho station. Yeah. Or I, Bell, I guess, orchard, right there with you. I, I guess orchard would be the yeah. orchard. Would be the stuff, <laughs> it? Yeah. 
So we, we I have just, my jersey in my backpack, bro. Dude, I would, <laughs> yeah, like we we'd have a fucking sixer on the on the on the bus ride, yeah, and just run it. <laughs> Go to work groggy as fuck the next day, probably not able to talk. Not worth it, but it's hundred percent worth it. I I've already made. I've, I've already made comments to my little brother and my fiance. I'm like, I, I can't justify going back to a game until it's sold out again. I, I can't. I know ticket prices are going to be extravagant. I understand. That. I'm prepared for that. Also, I haven't been to a live hockey game since the Air Force Academy. I have not been to a live hockey game since game six. The overtime. Oh my God. Overtime. So. And it's gone. Mute. I mean, yeah it, and that was a packed house fun as hell mm-hmm. fun as all hell we were drinking with san jose fans after the game man yeah it's a blast like, and it's just it's one of those things where we just gotta look at it and go okay can we please go back to normal please i understand there's still a pandemic i understand there's var- variants i understand all this at what point do we say we have to go back to living our lives. Sports world, personal lives, whatever it may be. I mean, like you're, you, you walk around outside at a park and you almost get chastised for not wearing a mask. And you're outside. <laughs> like, like, come on. And, it, the the restrictions we're putting on people is just r- ridiculous. Like why, why on the court um, for an NBA game, do you have to like? Are you you're not required to wear a mask? And yeah, so yeah, you're you sweating on each other. You're touching each other. You're yeah. you're fouling. You still have team huddles after fouls. All that shit for free throws, right? Yeah. You still have all that stuff. You're still high fiving. You're still doing all that shit. And we've been told that you know it's it's caused by talking straight to each other it's talk it's caused by just touching common touch points like like i don't see guys with hand sanitizer attached to their their fucking basketball shorts or in their hockey gloves right and guys on the bench for hockey games are literally sitting shoulder to shoulder against each other and coaches have to wear masks equipment managers wear masks backup goalie has to wear a mask but all the guys who are sweating, talking, touching iPads together, not probably not being wiped down all the time, don't have to. But the second they go back in the locker room, up, oh, got to put a mask on. Like, like I, there's so much of it I don't understand, and I don't care to understand because yeah. the the optics of it don't make sense. And I'll tell you what, I've talked to a lot more people that have been vaccinated than are not vaccinated nowadays. It's time to open it back up. And, and it shouldn't matter if you're vaccinated or not either way. No. You know, you, you, there's, there, there's a whole subset because of... Your, your age who, group has been taken care of. Your high-risk, you know, 75-plus people have been vaccinated at this point across most states. I mean... Yeah, we, we, we got to open up soon. And, and I think the, the, the bigger question is going to be is when we open up, how quick is it going to be? And what are the long-term ramifications of opening up? 
Yeah. Because Denver bars are preparing for packed facilities for All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend is in mid-June, mid-July. NBA playoffs start in June. Or late May. Something like that. Late May. If the Nuggets were in the finals, it'd be it June. Would be right? June, July. Yep. June and July. Abs are in the finals. Same fucking time frame. And then you get the All-Star. On summer. So at what point are we saying, okay, let's, let's just, come on, let's go. Let's open up. Revenue. We'll talk when it needs to talk. But either way, I mean, really, really quick, just, let's just close it out here. What are the yeah, Nuggets yeah. finish up? In the West, where the apps finish up in the Central, or the I guess the West, but the, so, the Honda West division. Yeah, <laughs> Honda West. Uh, so my prediction for the Nuggets, Jared. Looking at their schedule, they do not have a tough schedule remaining. I expect them to push hard for the two seed and lock it down. Probably don't have enough time to catch the Jazz because you got 22 games left, and the Jazz also have a pretty easy schedule. Let's just kind of check in. And we do not have the luxury of playing the Jazz in the next 22. And our season series was split with them. So, barring some catastrophic, and I mean catastrophic, sell from the Jazz. I'm looking at the Nuggets as a solid two-seed. And for playoffs and beyond, as a two-seed, they will reach the NBA Finals. I don't care the path, but as a two-seed, they will reach the NBA Finals. I'll put it this way. If they get home court as a top three-seed, not the four-seed, because then you could go end up playing the Jazz in Utah, all that good stuff. Top three seed in the West. No matter who they're playing. It's going to be some fun as hell series, but they will make it to the NBA Finals. And I predict it will be Brooklyn Nets, Denver Nuggets Finals. It's like an inexorable an inexorable crash course because the Lakers the Lakers will lose to the Nuggets in six games if AD remains out and that timetable is pushing backward rather than forward not scared of LA especially with the five close games in the Western Conference that we played them in last year not scared against Phoenix we took three or four against them this year not scared against Utah we saw them in the playoffs last year and we're a better team not scared of the Clippers either. Nuggets will make it to the NBA Finals. And Avs, as much as I hate to say like we're being homers here, but I'm just looking at the general talent up and down the roster and the Avs, I would expect nothing less. But I think they finish as the one seed as well. What about you? I, I think at a minimum, if the Nuggets finish third, that's fine. Second, awesome. First is going to be a fucking haul from here on out. 
You need Phoenix. You need Phoenix to start dropping games. You need Utah to start dropping games. I I haven't seen it enough to where I think either of those clubs are going to do that. So I think at a minimum third, which is going to be just fine. I mean, if they finish fourth, then okay, you kind of deal with it. Obviously, you like to be in that top two, so you get home court through at least the second round. Yeah. Um. As for the Avs, I'm going to put a caveat on mine. Okay. If they don't get goaltender help, they finish third. Minnesota is red hot. Vegas is still a very dangerous team, and they're expected to get Laner back very soon. If they don't get some help on in goal, they're fucked. This is basically a playoff grind for an entire season. So that's not helping anything. Now, if they get the goaltending help that they desperately need um, at the deadline on Monday or before, I don't, I'm okay with the four. Not hard to yeah. do. <laughs> if they get that help before, I, I teeter-totter so hard between first and second. Because, I, I, I mean, Minnesota just basically put the book out on how to beat Colorado. That, the middle. Yeah. That's what they did. They just trapped the neutral zone. They, think they gave them time and space. They, they gave them time and space, but the neutral zone was completely clogged in a 1-2-2 format. And they, they took away that middle third and really pressured Colorado when they were in the attacking third. Yeah. So... I mean, the, the power play finally woke up in the second period, but these slow starts have to go away. If we start to see a consistent trend of these slow starts, this is going to be a much different conversation. Much different. So, no goalie help. They're finishing third. They get the goalie help. Maybe first or second. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that, that's how desperate the goaltending help is needed. Oh, definitely, definitely. When find you, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up something you said actually in our last episode, Jared. But remember when you were talking about for the life of me, I can't understand why Jared Bednar says this club has to play better after like a six zero drubbing. You know what was going on in my head after that nine three game? That right there. Is talking about but folks thanks for tuning in uh you know we always love giving you these stuff these the these casts jesus put the alcohol down on beer it was a land shark lager my friend but after the day that we both had i think you'll understand why i'm twisting up my words a little bit that all being said folks thanks again Hope to hope to see you guys soon here next week. Got some big things in the works. Um, and yeah, we're just gonna enjoy the rolls, roll with the punches. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a good night. Peace.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 